to solve it. Nope. Nope. And Good morning. Hey. Who exactly? Who would want to go? I just, mm, I'm just glad that this is it for me, and I, I'm not gonna have to have that situation. Yes, that was the concern. Shoot, I can remember. We didn't concern. When I taught middle school, college, and middle school, we didn't. Those kids played in the edge of the woods. We didn't keep track of them. They were all over the place. We were back there on College Loop. They were back in those woods, down by the stream, playing, swinging from the vines. Never concerned us. Good morning. I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island this morning. We are delighted to have you all here. Um, before we begin our worship, there are a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. We are always happy to have visitors to welcome you, and we are especially happy to uh, welcome first-time visitors. Uh, those of you who are with us for the first time today, if you would please raise your hand, um, there's not going to be a test. We just want to recognize you and uh, give you a little remembrance from our church, um, more information about our church, and something that you'll think of us and maybe want to visit us next time you're, you're on the island. Should you need a restroom, uh, right behind the stairs, uh, to, my, to my right, uh, there are friendship registers on each pew. That's to let us know of your presence this morning. Please sign in and pass along to your neighbors. If you're visiting today and you would like for us to reach out to you, please leave some contact information. There's plenty of space uh, on the register for that. The nursery is over in the ministry center, and it welcomes children ages six and younger uh, under um, any time during the service. We would like to welcome Leah. Leah plays a lot of theater downtown, and we are delighted this Sunday while Cherie is away. The flowers in the sanctuary are given to the glory of God and are dedicated to the people of the Ukraine and in loving memory of Jody Watson. Stitch Sisters will meet on Tuesday at 10 o'clock in the library. Um, please remember that we have a family night supper coming up. We don't usually have one in June, but since we have missed them for so long, we decided we, uh, we would look at doing some this summer. So June the 8th, mark your calendar. 6 p.m. Family Night Supper. And you don't have to be a member, just come. Um, there will be loads of food. Preschool, yard sale, Saturday, June the 11th. Um, this is to raise money for the scholarship. 
lives in. The ministry center is going to be closed, um, except for the double glass doors. Um, this is for security purposes, as we go through some security checks and enhancements. And um, so just to let everybody know, um, you can always hit the call button if you do not have a key. So um, this will be the only means of access into the ministry center. All the other doors are going to be kept locked for the time being, and um, there are going to be more details to the flash. Uh, starting, starting next Sunday, the nursery center is going to have the new, uh, the nursery over in the ministry center is going to have a new policy of signing in and signing out all children. So uh, if this affects you, please, uh, please be aware that we're going to change policy. So in our hearts to worship as we hear the prelude.
it's probably good for me to make a fair Please stand and join me in the call to worship that is in your blood. If you go close to the Lord, you'll probably go through. Clap your hands, people of God. Look to the heavens, brothers and sisters in Christ. Witness the power of our God. Clap your hands, people of God. Shout to God with cries of joy. Let us offer God our worship. Please clap out your heads if you want to make a prayer. God of mystery, part of the that keeps us from seeing your full glory in mind. Open our eyes to behold the risen Christ who ascended to you in glory. Open our hearts today that our spirits may ascend to you as he ascended that day. Focus our thoughts on the power of your salvation, that we may move beyond the mundane to contemplate mysteries and wonders worthy of our meditations. May we be found worthy of your great gifts, and may we be clothed in the power of high. Amen. Let us remain standing as we sing um, the hymn printed in your bulletin, hymn 144. Hallelujah. Sing to Jesus.
sharing in Christ's work and love and work on our behalf. And then our response and praise as we declare to the world the power of Jesus Christ. Yet when we depart the sanctuary too often, we are hesitant in that same proclamation. Sometimes we are reluctant disciples. This day, as we celebrate the ascension of our Lord and his glorification, let us also confess our lack of faith and practice as we join our voices together in prayer. Let us pray. Merciful God, raise our signs and our hopes, even as we yearn for your glorious inheritance, we settle for so much less. Even as we long to behold the extraordinary, we keep our eyes fixed on the ground. Even as we hope to inherit the glorious kingdom, we keep our hearts attuned to earthly power. Even as we desire to rest in the arms of your love, we listen to the voices that so May your Holy Spirit find us ready when the one
This is the word of the Lord. Any children to come forward for our time together? Good morning. Good morning. Find a seat. Come on, Bo. This morning, I have a few items. Let me move this so you can see them. Now, in these buckets, there are items. And you can have them, but you can only have one of them. So, what we need to do is figure out which bucket you would like. So I'm gonna hold this one up, I'm gonna shake it around. Okay, think about that. Second bucket. Last bucket. All right, by hearing what's in the bucket, Bobo, sit on the bottom. I just don't want them to fall. Okay. Um, so by hearing the shaking of the buckets, do you know which one you want? You want the first shaking bucket. How do you know that that's the one you want? Because that's what you want. So is there another way we can maybe figure it out so that you pick the right one? Yeah, William? Okay. Okay, so deducing the type of sound that it's making. How about, what would you say if I let just one of you come and look at this What's in the buckets? Now you can't tell everybody else what's in there, but you can look at that. You want to choose among you who can look at the bucket? You all want to do it? All right. All right. Well, powwow, figure out. Only one of you can look, but you cannot tell the others what's in the buckets. All right. Who's, who's going to look? All right. Well, we're. We're, we're gonna let, tell, remind me, tell me your name. Leanna. Okay, Leanna, I'm gonna lift this, come, come up here. Now you can see what's in them. All right. Now, without telling the other children what's in the buckets, which one would you advise them to pick? Okay. Now, do you trust her? Hannah does. Okay, you can sit down. Um, let's talk a little bit about this. So a lot of times we can't see exactly what we want. And when we talk about life in the church, life of faith, we talk about Jesus. Do we see Jesus anymore? No. Well, how do we know the stories of Jesus are true? Huh? How do we know Hannah?
God was before Jesus, that's right. Well, I know the stories of Jesus because when I was your age or even younger, my mom and the people in my church used to tell me stories. They would tell me the stories that were in the Bible, and they would tell me stories about life in the church and how we lived together in love. And I believed them. I believed what they were telling me is true. So today in our scripture story, Miss Linda just read, she said that Jesus called his disciples witnesses. And a witness is someone who tells the story, but they do it in a way that tells the truth, that tells others the truth. Now, were you telling the truth? You were telling the truth. Do we believe her? Yeah, all right, if you believe her, you can come and look and see what's in the bucket she had. Okay, come on. And you may take one. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, William. Would you like to take something from the other buckets? <laughs> he took a rock. <laughs> So it is hard to tell and to discern if someone is telling us the truth. And so what, um, what the Bible tells us to do is we pray for the Holy Spirit to help us discern who is telling us the truth, who is witnessing to us in such a way that's going to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So we are all witnesses, which means that we are all commanded to tell the truth and to help other people enjoy the sweetness of life. Okay, let's have a prayer, and guess what, William? We are a community of grace. <laughs> let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for giving us your stories. Help us by your spirit to tell them with truth and with conviction so that others may know of your love and your sweetness. In Jesus' name, amen. Sucker, that's right, Bobo. Thank you, you may return to your pews. For those that didn't get to see in the buckets, there were lollipops, of course, rocks, and pencils. The gospel reading this morning comes to us from Luke's gospel, reading from the end, chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Hear God's word to us again. Then Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my father promised. So stay here in the city 
until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you alone, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So those of you who have ever ridden in a car with me might not be surprised to hear that I struggled with learning how to drive, especially in regards of staying in my own lane. I'm not sure I ever totally grasped the concept of looking out and, and forward and taking in the right perspective of vision. I wanted to look around at everything. I would look to my right and swerve to my right. I would look over and then to my left and cross that center lane. You all know my mother, and you can see that she survived the experience, but barely. She deserves a gold star for her courage in teaching me to drive. Now back then, the car I was driving was a 1982 model. Now the car that I have has all the updated fancy safety features. In fact, it beeps at me when I start to swerve. And if I don't immediately correct myself, it will actually override me to keep me in my lane. It's a miracle advancement in technology for those of us who like to take up the entire road. Today's sermon title is Stay in Your Lane. And this phrase has come to mean more than simply driving within the yellow and white lines. I looked it up and Merriam-Webster Dictionary has a whole slew of information about how this phrase has evolved. From its literal meaning that was used while driving or racing or even swimming, and in these initial uses, staying in your lane helps to keep us safe, keeps us from colliding, keeps things fair, like in a race, and makes room for all. But over the years, it's come to take on a different meaning. It's come to signify certain expertise and the admonishment to work or to function within and only within that lane, that area of expertise. Now, I've heard it used to chastise someone who's speaking out or offering advice on a topic in which they know little about or have no experience in. Is it a phrase that you're familiar with? Have you even used this phrase in this new context? Stay in your lane. Just like my new vehicle does, Sometimes we have to be reminded to stay in our lane. And this metaphor came to mind as I read again our passage from Acts. Linda shared with you the story of the ascension from chapter 1. And in this story, the risen Jesus speaks with his disciples for the very last time before he returns to his Father in heaven. Last Sunday, if you were with us in our lectionary text, Jesus promised the disciples that he would go and prepare a place for them. But he told them not to be worried because the Holy Spirit would come 
alongside them, to continue with them, to be their advocate. Today, if you listened, he reminds them again to wait for that promise. For when the Holy Spirit arrives, they will be his witnesses, he says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. The disciples, immediately after hearing this, question Jesus, as if this information alone isn't enough to take in, isn't enough to consider. They question him, they press Jesus, they want to know all of what God's plan is to restore the kingdom. And Jesus, before the invention of cars, but not before the invention of roads, implores them to stay in their own lane. He says it's not for you to know the times or the periods that the Father has set by his authority. It's not quite a mind your own business, but his admonishment is to stay focused on what their mission is and will be after his ascension. In Acts, and Luke says again at the end of the gospel that we just read, the disciples will have a primary role once the Holy Spirit arrives. They are to be witnesses. Beginning right there in their community, and then stretching further and further to the ends of the earth, they are to share the story that Luke succinctly sums up by saying that the Messiah suffered and died, and after three days was risen, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning right there, where they stand. This call to be witnesses is then reinforced by the latter part of the story, this little add-on that we get with the appearance of two men dressed in white. These two men wonder why the disciples stand there with their gaze upward. The disciples' mission is not above. It's right here, right in their midst. It's as if they're saying, friends, look around. See that the world right here needs the witness of Jesus Christ. The Feast of Ascension, Ascension Sunday that we're celebrating today, is celebrated in the church the 40th day after Easter. And it has been a commemoration of the glorification of Jesus Christ after his resurrection as well as the end of Christ's physical presence on earth. This time acts as a bridge in our story between when the disciples witness the very flesh of Jesus ascend to heaven and before the promise of the Holy Spirit who will come alongside them. And our vision is meant to shift here from Easter to Pentecost, and it moves us into a new narrative. Whereas we have been focused on the life and death and resurrection of the person of Jesus Christ, the advent of the Holy Spirit will change our perspective. 
We are to quit looking out above and beyond and find ourselves squarely where we are as we hear Jesus' final instructions to be his witnesses. This is our new lane. Ascension's significance for us, Jesus' remaining disciples, is that this final act of redemption makes us participants in the divine work of God on earth. Have you thought about that? This final act of redemption makes us participants of the divine work of God on earth. But maybe we, like those first disciples, are left looking up and around and wondering, well, gosh, what now? You see, it would be easier, much easier, if Jesus was still here to answer our questions and would share that bigger picture, the greater story with us so that we can finally understand. If Jesus were here, I'd have so many things that I'd ask, the least of which this week is why do we continue to suffer? Why do we continue to suffer violence? and death at the hands of others. Why, why, Lord, does an 18-year-old gunman murder 19 children and two teachers? And why do we allow this to happen again and again? We still want to ask that same question that the disciples did. Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? And if it's not now, when will the violence end? When will the killing stop? When will we experience that vision that we read last Sunday of the new Jerusalem that the Apostle John shares with us? When, Lord, because I'm not sure we can wait much longer with our children dying. And Jesus, as he promises us in his spirit, says to us again, remember who you are. You are my witnesses. You are my witnesses. I did a brief word study on the term witness, and I was surprised to remember that the biblical use of this noun points more to inanimate objects than it does to people. Think about it, though. In a non-literate society like we have in the Old and mostly New Testaments, any type of agreement or an event or activities that wanted to be remembered were solidified, not by writing them down in a book, but by making a witness. One of the most famous stories in the Old Testament is when Laban and Jacob, they pile up stones into a pillar signifying an agreement they finally make after Jacob has fleed Laban with his family and his flocks. And they literally call that pillar a heap of witness. 
in other situations throughout scriptures, an altar or a pillar is erected to indicate witness to an important event or agreement. Then in other places in the Bible, witness is used as a verb. And as I shared with the children, it primarily signifies truth-telling. To bear false witness, as the Ten Commandments suggest, is an infraction not only against our neighbor, but against God. Witnessing is sharing the truth. And at least in Old Testament times, false witnessing was punishable by death. At times like this that we find ourselves in, when the world heaps out another devastation and we are left to witness a tragedy such as Uvalde, I hear those voices and I join their cries in saying, How long, O Lord, how long? I hear words of condemnation against all aspects of the event, criticism of law enforcement, blame on loose gun laws, culpability of those who suffer mental illness versus policies that are not in place to help them. And in my own devastation, I join these voices as I look for blame for this senseless loss. I speak for the need to change and insist that we can do better because our children deserve it and our God demands it. And I yearn to know how it will all be reconciled, this violence and death and despair that we see not just in Texas, although it hurts us so there, but across the nations. And I demand answers. And even as I do, I hear Jesus once again in his message upon his ascension, you are my witnesses. We are Christ's body on earth now. We are the ones making a witness with what we do and witnessing to others by speaking the truth. We may want to know the bigger picture, how it will all work, how everything will ultimately be restored and reconciled. I feel like I'm back in that 82 Camaro looking in every which direction, wanting to take it all in and make sense of it all and to see and to know everything. But in doing so, I don't stay in my lane. In my lane, our focus is to witness. We witness in our actions and with our voices. We witness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how through him repentance and forgiveness is proclaimed. It is so easy, as I have done, to become overwhelmed by the magnitude of it all when we're looking around everywhere trying to take it all in and come up with some ultimate answer overwhelmed to the point of an action however the men in white again bring our vision back down and like jesus tell us to get in line 
Our work is here, among the people and the places that we live and experience. Our work is the continuation of Jesus's work, a rehearsal, if you will, of what the kingdom will ultimately be. Friends, what does that look like in the wake of Uvalade or Buffalo or Laguna Woods? What does that look like for our community here on Edisto Island? This week, I know and encourage you to pray for those who are involved in violence in our world. But in our prayers, may we also seek Christ's wisdom. As we discern what our witness is, how we tell the story of what we believe, that leads to repentance and forgiveness. It may look different for each of us, but we all have a role to play because we each receive that commission given to us while Christ was ascending in all of his glory and partnering with the Holy Spirit. May our focus as Christ's disciples Join us together in mission. Keep us in our lane. Keep us in line so that we can witness until the world truly becomes what God intended. May it be so. One of the ways in which we do witness is by declaring to the world what it is that we believe. Together, may we stand firm in our faith. <coughs> as we recite the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I invite you to join me in a special prayer for Memorial Day as we offer our intercessions to God. When I say, may God give us peace, if you'd like, you can respond with simply, God, give peace. Let us pray. Let us pray for all who suffer as a result of conflict as we ask that God's peace reign. For the servicemen and women who have died in the violence of war, each one remembered by and known to God, may God give peace. God, give peace. For those who love them in death as in life, offering the distress of our grief and the sadness of our loss, may God give peace. God, give peace. 
for all members of the armed forces who are in danger this day, remembering family, friends, and all who pray for their safe return. May God give peace. God give peace. For civilian women, children, and men whose lives are disfigured by war or terror, calling to mind in penitence the anger and hatreds of humanity. May God give peace. God give peace. For peacemakers and peacekeepers who seek to keep this world secure and free, may God give peace. God give peace. For all who bear the burden and privilege of leadership, political, military, and religious, asking for gifts of wisdom and resolve in the search for reconciliation. May God give peace. God give peace. O God of truth and justice, we hold before you those whose memory we cherish and those whose names we will never know. Help us to lift our eyes above the torment of this broken world and grant us the grace to pray for those who wish us harm. May God give peace. God give peace. As we honor the past, may we put our faith in your future, for you are the source of life and hope now and forever. Now we join our voices together in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For the gifts of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and for the privilege of offering the fruits of our hands. Let us give thanks to God with what we have this day as we receive our morning's offering.
Gracious and giving God, you are the one who first has given to us all that we need for life. Guide us to use what we now gather for the well-being of your church, for those in need of food and shelter, for all who suffer for want, and for nurturing faith in your people. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 467, How Great Thou Art.
May we join together in the benediction. Lift up your eyes to the heavens. Trust the Spirit's power. Go as witnesses of the risen Lord.